another personal note that I have going on, and those of us that were gathered yesterday together, well, you gathered together. I was there at the beginning, but then I went to be with my mom. My mom, you know, she's been in hospice for about a year, and the hospice nurse told us it looks like she is kind of setting the stage for her end of life, and so where I, I got to go over there yesterday. You know, I had, I had gotten all my teammates, uh, Doyle and Kyle and Adrian and, and uh, Ryan, and then Jerry's our closer this afternoon to do these five sessions. I usually do all those sessions, but I did that in case something went bad with my hip surgery. And the hip recovery's been great, but it turned out really God's providence there because um, I just got to go be with mom, and I'm telling the kids, and we're doing FaceTime while she can, and and things like that yesterday. So just be, we've been praying for this for a long time. Uh, it's been a slow goodbye with, with my mom. And so just pray for her peace, her comfort, and my little family spread out all over the place and, and all of our family. My big brother just drove, got up early yesterday, drove in, spent yesterday and this morning, and he's already having to drive back today. And, and so anyway, just be with our family during this time and pray that, that mom passes sweetly into the arms of Jesus, where she's wanted to be for the last 20 years, long before she lost her memory, long before she was in assisted living. She's like, I know God has me around, but I'd, I'd just as soon go home. And so we are praying that as that comes close, and I say close, it can, I've been warned by some of you who've been through this, it could be a while still. So uh, just pray that it does happen, uh, just as God would design it, and that it's sweet and good and peaceful. Um, okay, so for today, I wanted to ask you, have you ever met somebody that is like just completely clear and, com- and totally sold out to some cause or some mission? I mean, someone who is crystal clear and, and totally committed to their mission. So not, not everyone's into this, but most of you know of the great Christian author J.R.R. Tolkien and how he created a whole imaginary world called Middle Earth and, and had these epic tales. And I know I'm cheating myself by, I've never read all the books, but I have loved the movies. And as part of my rehipment recovery, uh, I binge watched a series that I found on one of those servers um, about uh, a Lord of the Rings that's, that's like 200 years before the Lord of the Rings. Some of you know it's called the Rings of Power. And right at the beginning, and then all through eight episodes, you, you, you're introduced to this character named Galadriel. And right from the beginning and throughout the whole thing, she's one of those people. She is crystal clear on what she's about. She is hunting the evil Lord Sauron. That's what she's about. Everything is about that for her. Every place she goes, every interaction she has, every person she meets, every resource that comes her way, all of it for her is funneled through the filter of and only has value in accomplishing her singular goal and mission. And that is finding and destroying evil, which is embodied in this evil Lord Sauron. Have you ever met someone that is crystal clear about and totally committed to their mission. It made me think of someone, and some of you have been here long enough to remember this guy, Alvaro dos Santos. Some of y'all remember him. I was first exposed to his work when a little group of us got to go over to Zimbabwe and where our, 
World Bible School efforts through the mail have made disciples of countless hundreds, maybe thousands of people in this nation. But when, when I got to go over there and be exposed to that, I was introduced to Alvaro's ministry, which is to feed countless numbers and growing numbers of orphans over there in that nation. And I remember that we got to go to a couple of these centers, and I just remember being so moved. These are daily survival meals for these kids, many of which are orphans. I mean, this is the meal they will get that day. And Alvaro is this, this force behind it that is completely sold out and, and committed to making sure those feeding centers are resourced and that they're multiplying and those are resourced. And because of some po- political stuff and some racist stuff over there, Alvaro and his wife and two kids had to flee Zimbabwe. They each got two suitcases each, and they flew right here to our airport. And we housed them for a time, and we got to be with him some. And I would take him to lunch, and we would talk. And even while he was here, all he was thinking about is how to keep those children fed in Zimbabwe. I I took him to lunch once, and I was asking him about some of the things I was there for, some of the churches, some of the theology that's over there, some of the ministers and missionaries. And, And he just replied to me, Something like, Brian, I, I can't do that South African accent I could. It just sounds cooler. Anyway, he says, Brian, I, I'm grateful for those churches and all those ministers and their ministries and, and the ministries to them and, and the ministry through them. But all I'm concerned about and all I know about is feeding those children, is getting food to those children. Fictional or non-fictional, these are what we call missional people. They know what they're about. They know what it is they're trying to accomplish. They know what they need to be doing in their life. For these people, it's not that there aren't other categories of life. And it's not that there aren't other worthy causes. Those things just aren't theirs. They have been captured. They have been consumed with something that for them is meaningful. And and. And so they don't focus on those other things that have little to do with fueling or resourcing their calling. It's a simple and clear way to live. Now, it's not without complications. It's not without difficulties for them and for those around them. These people are some of the, sometimes the hardest people to be around because they are so focused on their mission. But even though it's not easy, it is simple. It's, it's simple, it's clear to live missionally. This weekend, we've been taking a closer look at the mission of one of those people, and that's our Lord Jesus. He's one of those people that had a mission. We've been considering that thing that captured his attention, his energy, indeed his whole life up to and including his death. The Bible uses different words, different terminology to describe Jesus's mission. I'll start with the one he started with, the word kingdom. Kingdom is kind of, it's not what we think in a kingdom. It's not a place. It's, it's a way. It's a rule. Specifically, when you read kingdom in scripture, it's talking about the loving rule of God. It's one of the words used to describe Jesus's mission. His all-consuming mission is the kingdom. Another word he uses quickly in his story is the gospel. Gospel literally means good news. It is the good news about what? 
the loving kingdom of God being available to anyone and everyone. That's what the good news is. That that loving rule, which is the best way to live, that's the proposal of heaven, is available to you, to anyone and everyone. That's the gospel. Then there's the verb form of that word gospel. It's translated for us evangelism. It's the verb. It is the sharing of that good news about the kingdom, which is the loving rule of God being available to everyone. This is what consumed Jesus. He was singularly focused on this. He's truly, we could almost say he's the first missionary. And he traveled farther than anyone on any mission has ever traveled. In our theology, we believe he came all the way from heaven to earth to do that. That's what he was pursuing. And in the face of every demand, as he lived his little three and a half year life or so, even demands that were good, even demands that were sort of related to this mission, but were not directly this mission, he, he was committed to this above all, and he wouldn't let anything get in his way. A chapter in the Bible that I love is Mark chapter 1, just a little day in the life of Jesus. And he'd gone to one of his towns proclaiming this gospel, doing this evangelism, this kingdom. And people were buying in and coming to him. And at the end of the day, he went off to pray. Simon, Peter... Came and companions went to look for him, it says in Mark at the end of the chapter. When they found him, here's what they said. They said, hey, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. I could see Peter saying, but why? Why not just go back here to where you've already preached and they're already buying into you? Why not spend more time with them? And he answers, and I want you to hear how he answers. He says, that is why I have come. To preach it to the world. To tell the world about the kingdom, the gospel. To evangelize all of the places. Not just that one place. So, you and me. For all of us who've decided to follow Jesus, whether you're aware of it or not, if simply by the merit of saying you follow Jesus, simply by the merit of describing yourself with his name, Christian, it's our mission too. We are his resources. We are, that's what we are. We are signed on to his mission. This weekend, we've been considering, about 200 of you have been considering all day yesterday, how to best go about it, how to best advance his mission as a church and as individuals that follow Jesus on this mission, how we give ourselves over to Jesus to accomplish his mission, how to allow him to funnel our energy and our resources and our relationships and our unique gifts, our talents, our personalities, our lives, such as they are, to the mission of doing evangelism in our world today? How do we best go about sharing the kingdom, the gospel, sharing Jesus? How do we do that? So this morning, I want to use five words that I, 
that, that answer that, that just in concise a way as I can, that answer the how to do that and answer that question here in one sitting. Whether you've been with us all weekend or not, I want to offer you these five words as hopefully memorable but practical anchors as to how to do it and how you can join Jesus on that mission, how you can be all in with your life such as it is and use it as a, let Jesus use it as a resource for his obsession, his mission. So the first word I'll use, it's one of our $5 words, but you've heard me teach about it before. And how we share Jesus, the kingdom with the world, we need to incarnate God. This is the first thing Jesus did. Bear with me here. So it's the first thing we should do. We should incarnate God. What does that mean? It means we should reflect in our flesh what God is like. We should reflect in our flesh the heart and the character and the mission and the priorities of God himself. This is what Jesus did. I, I t- teach you this almost every year at Christmas, the, the Christmas name of Jesus, Emmanuel, right? He's God with us. That's who Jesus is. He is God in the flesh. But when he died and rose again and then ascended and sent his Holy Spirit into the church, he's not done incarnating. The body of Christ is still on earth. And it's us. We are supposed to reflect who God is. And let me just tell you, being like God sounds like a tall order when I look in the mirror. (laughs) Being like God, how am I going to do that? And I'm telling you, you can do it because it's not you doing it. It's not you doing it. It is not about you white-knuckling it and trying hard enough to be like God or to be like Christ. In our theology, and I'll just leave this first word at this, it's one part of the Trinity of God. There's the Father, there's the Son, the Holy Spirit is said to live within us when you decide to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit doesn't live in man-made temples anymore. You are that temple. And so it's not about you trying to be like God. Let me ask you this. How hard would it be for you to try to be like God? How many years would that take? How hard is it for God to be like God? He knows exactly how to do it. And he lives inside of you. So it's not about you trying to be like him. It's letting him be like him through you. It's not about white knuckling it. It's about opening your palms and surrendering in ever-increasing measure to God. You will incarnate God more by being around God in prayer and in community and fueling your life. I like to share it. I I always remembered this when I was in youth ministry and and I had a little kid, Shade. He had these glow-in-the-dark pajamas. I think I've told you this before. And he discovered that his glow-in-the-dark pajamas don't glow in the dark unless he first exposes himself to light. So he goes in, he charges it up with light, then he goes to the dark closet, pitch black closet, shuts it, and now he's, he is light. Right? For how long? Not forever. What does he got to do? He's got to go and be with the light again. And that's what you're called to do. So it's not about you trying hard. It's about you encountering God in a way that allows you to surrender and you become light because he is light and he fills you up. So that's the first thing in your toolkit. We want to incarnate God. 
Well, there's other things that are much simpler than this word incarnate. Uh, Our foundational credibility comes from this, living and being and modeling the abundant life and love and light that we're offering to the world. Second thing is include. Include. This needs little explanation, but we need to make room for new people. You don't have room? It's part of your mission. Yeah, you'll have to sacrifice. You have to sacrifice time. You might have to sacrifice time with other people that you like a lot. But, and you, I know it, I, I say it too, I can't do it for everybody. You can do it for somebody. That's all your call is. You don't have the weight of the world. God's handling that. But he wants to utilize you. And so this is something else we need to learn to do. We need to include people. There is untold power in just having a posture and capacity to include people in your life. Some of y'all might have seen last week, we had a young couple sitting with us over here. Carrie and I did. That's Casey. Some of y'all who've known us for a while know her. She grew up in my youth group and, and she really bonded with me and Carrie and she's kind of an adopted daughter. And now, you know, she's a lot older. She's a nurse, physician, nurse prac. Thank you. And she's engaged. And she wants me to do the wedding this summer, which I want to do. But I said, you know the rules. And she does. I need to meet this guy. And so last weekend was the time. He's in oil and gas. So this was the time they could come. And so I got to spend time with him. I took him down the canyon Saturday morning. Really spent some good time with him. Love this guy. He's great. And so when they were leaving, the Sunday night, they were leaving early the next morning. So I wasn't going to see them then because it's early the next morning. And I gave him a hug and I said, uh, Jamie. Anyone she loves, we love. Anyone who loves her, we love. So you're ours now. And, and I'm, I'm just doing this, but, but his reaction. There is power in inclusion. His reaction was cool, but it was Casey's reaction that I remember. She got like giddy. And laughed like this awkward but happy, joyful laugh. And looked at him and said, welcome. There's power in inclusion. And, and we all know this. Your heart knows this. I don't need to belabor the point. But you also know the opposite. There is also power in exclusion. There is equally, as good as that is, it, this is equally as bad, as hard, as difficult. And so we need to include. I want you to listen to this. Jesus is talking about his relationship with us, the church, his people. I've heard people say on Facebook that if you've seen these posts, it's like, I love my people. Right? We have people. Jesus does too. Here's what he says in verse 14 of John 10. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. My sheep know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. This is a awesome description of who we are in relation to him who he is in relation to us and it's just beautiful countless sermons have been talked about this sweet fellowship of believers but it doesn't stop at 15 it goes on to 16 listen to what he says i have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen hear his obsession I must bring them also. On my best days, I have this attitude. I must bring new people to Jesus. 
I could fill my whole life with Christians. I have enough Christians in my life that I could, I could buffer myself from anyone who's not a believer and have plenty to do. I could do that, but on my best days, on my best days, I must bring others also to Jesus because Jesus did it. It's part of my mission. Third thing, invite. Now, making room for people is a form of kind of subtle invitation, right? But I'm using this as a, I'm talking about the skill of inviting of invitation in a little more precise way. It's more in line with the good old-fashioned you're invited card. And on the inside, there's a date and an event, and you can even RSVP. It's just something specific that I'm going to include you in that I'm a part of. It can be an invitation for us to your house for a meal, a party of some kind, an invitation to a game night with your small group, an invitation to a Bible study, a prayer group, to a church with you one weekend. Right? Easter's coming up. It's like there's all kinds of studies that I've reported to you before that there are people, if they were just invited to church by someone that they are exposed to, they would say yes. A lot will say no. And that keeps us from this simple, practical, useful skill that actually helps people take a step towards Jesus. Callie's latest, many of you know my daughter, she's in Mexico and she's on the tail end of a six-month unique missionary post and she's learned a lot. You know, sometimes we go, I mean, we go on mission and we're thinking it's for the people we're sharing Jesus with, but we end up changing a lot too. And and, uh, this is how ministry is in general, for sure. But she said something in this latest report she's about to send out that she sent to me that's so cool. She, She says this, she says, been feeling bold and free in my faith. Not hesitating anymore to mention my faith, the Buho's mission, inviting people to Buho Church at any chance. And not only has that been sweet, but it has actually been bearing fruit. I will not get into all the specific moments, but people having been, have been coming to Buho Church, and I think it has sparked their interest in Jesus. Inviting. How long has it been since you've made a specific measurable invitation to somebody to do something with you that's a step towards Jesus. It's a skill we need to have. Fourth one, inform. You have a story that our faith says changes people's lives for the better. It heals people. It transforms people. It gives them life and purpose and hope. You have that message. It is called the gospel message. And it's specifically the story of Jesus that we read about. And the cliff notes of that, kind of the, the, the code for the central part of it is the death, burial, and resurrection. It's his whole story. It's his birth and his life and his teachings and his example. But it's the death, the burial, the resurrection, and then the ascension and his return. It's all in there. But right there at the centerpiece of it, Paul tells us, is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. You know that story. Listen, it is important to incarnate, to live like Christ, right? Gives us some credibility for what we say. It is important to have this posture of including people so that this is about relationship with people, not an information project proposition we're making to somebody that they check the box off intellectually. 
It's important to invite them to community, to this story. However, we need to remember that the gospel message is just that. It is a message. It's information. It includes saying Jesus' name, sharing who he is to us, what he's done for us and for them. There's this famous quote. I mentioned it earlier this year, but I'm compelled to mention it here. It's often attributed to Gandhi. It's, it's awesome. It's, there's truth in this statement. It's share the gospel and if necessary, use words. Okay, and that is right for people who are information-based evangelists. They need to know. We have whole, forgive us God, we have whole Netflix series based on people who have sabotaged, sabotaged their true message about Jesus with their life that doesn't measure up to Christ-likeness, at least at a minimum level. So that is important. But at some point, the reality is, you, when you share the gospel, you will need words. And so many people are shy about it because I don't know why, but we have this feeling, this self-diminishing thought that kind of feels like humility that we don't know enough. <laughs> the lion's share of Christians, yes, you do. If you know the story of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, you know enough to change the world, to change somebody's world. It's not about you knowing everything there is to know about the Bible. It's great to prepare, but you don't need to be prepared for every argument against it. God's at work already. And you're the messenger boy or girl. And so, yes, we want to have these intangibles, these attitudes, these approaches, but you also have a message. I heard a Christian musician explain it like this, that the Christian life, the Christ-like life, is like the tune of a song. You know how catchy a tune can be, right? Right? It can be catchy, and it gets stuck in you, and, and that tune is just going in. He says, and it, it, it's awesome. It's beautiful. A lot of music is just beautiful. The tune of the music is beautiful, but it's the lyrics that tell you what the song is about. Without the lyrics, you're left to guess about what this beautiful thing is. And so you living like Christ and having an inclusive posture and inviting people into your life and around you and around people of Christ, that's all important. But you also have information. You have some lyrics that explain why that is. Listen, at some point, you need to say the name of Jesus. Otherwise, there's so many people that just say, yeah, I don't, I don't really share verbally. I just live Christ out there. And please do. Like I said, please do. That is a part of it. But if you leave it at that and never name Jesus as the reason for why you're living that way, the source of the abundant life that maybe others see in you and want to have, if you don't do that, you keep the glory. You're just a really, really good guy or girl. God doesn't get it. God doesn't get it. So inform. Remember, you're on this idea that I don't know how to explain everything. I'm scared of the questions. You're not the one drawing people to God anyway. You're not doing the heavy lifting. Jesus said that in John 6, No one can come to me unless you know everything about the gospel. No, that's not what he says. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. You're just joining God in his work he's already doing. So that's another skill. It's not the only one. But it's an important one. And, and it's what we'll be, for those of being a part of Lion Departure, it's what we're kind of 
finishing off with today with our closer, Jerry Morgan, this afternoon. 145. Doors open at 130. Last one, I'll end here with what I really want you to begin with. And that's intercede. Intercede. And intercession is a specific kind of prayer. It is praying for people. Right? It's interceding on behalf of people. And specifically, I want you to start praying for people to find Jesus. And maybe some of you are, have done this for loved ones and, and you've never stopped. Some of us, we mission drift and we have a lot of things to pray about. But I want you to begin and never end praying, interceding for people to find Jesus. Whether it's a specific person or just all people, I think we need to do this. It needs to be in your toolkit. When I'm actively praying for people to know Jesus, I find myself caring more about people knowing Jesus. And so I'm more available to participate to do these other things, to incarnate, to, in, to include, to invite, and to inform. And so I think if you don't do any of these, do this one, because you end up doing all of these. I think that Holy Spirit will flare up in you as you align your heart and your prayers with the very mission of Jesus. And that Holy Spirit will just wake up and perk up and flex inside of you and grow your heart and your heart will get larger than your current people without taking anything away from them, you will have, there are other people not a part of this sheep pen. The Holy Spirit will increase your sensitivity. You can ask our elders and their spouses, go ahead and move around the room and the praise team. If you'll just come up here. I've got one more verse that I want to give you from Jesus to close us out here today. He talked about his, his role as a shepherd there a minute ago. This time, He calls himself a gate, not just a gate, but the gate. It's still in John 10, 10, and he ends with my go-to. Whenever I'm thinking about sharing Jesus with anyone, if I'm going to share the motivation of God and the desire of Jesus, the the goal of the Holy Spirit, it, it ends with this. But look at what he says first in verse 9 of John 10. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. That's why it's so important to share Jesus. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. Then he gives a little shout out to the the opposition out there. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. We see a lot of that, don't we? But here it is. Here is his heart. Here's why he's on this mission, this kingdom mission. Here it is because of what he wants for us and for everyone you know. I have come that they might have life. Have it to the full. He's obsessed with this. He's obsessed with Ryan having the best possible life. Your kids having the best possible life. Your neighbors. He just can't stop thinking about it and working towards it. And he is looking for people who will use their lives, such as they are, because God's behind this, to use their lives signing on to his mission. It's not on you. He's got it. He's drawing people to himself. He's just allowing you the privilege of participating. That's who we are. That's who we get to be. Would you, would you consider today joining that? Maybe you're here today and you're going, 
who is this Jesus these guys want to share? Maybe you're that person. Here we are. We would love to tell you all about him and what it means to follow him. So let's stand and let's just sing to this great God who's given us this great gift. And if we can help you in any way, please come.